We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Carlo Navas. And with me today, Kenny Spence. What's up, Kenny? What's going on, man? Still don't got the nickname. I know it's organic. It got to happen that way, but it's going to happen one day. It'll come. It'll come. Bond on, still doesn't have one. Um, Moose doesn't have one. Well, I guess, yeah, Moose kind of has one. Drip drop. But, you know, we're, we're working on it. Uh, chat says we need an intro video. Listen, chat, if you want to commission it for me, that'd be great. But. You know, we have had, you know, we have a couple, you know, you saw Mixed Bag, Tiffany Meek's new show. We have another little surprise coming for you guys, you know, I think next week already. Uh, so, you know, don't don't worry. You know, we got some new stuff and, uh, you know, we, we're building out this platform, uh, Miami Heat Beat, as we have for the last nine, nine and a half years, Kenny. Goal, man. man. We out here. I've been listening for about half that time. So I said it before, but I said it again. It's kind of, I'm, it hasn't hit me that I'm on here now. But it's still cool. You realize we just talked shit. It was funny. I think the first day we yeah. added you to the chat, I think we were bickering. We're like, can you get used to this <laughs> yeah. shit? That's how I forgot what it was about, but it'll happen sometimes. I'll be at work and then like I'll check the chat and I'll just throw stuff at each other. We legit pick about the dumbest shit. Shay's Fifty says, "Can you the new face of MHB programming legit on every show?" He's like the you're like the Kevin Hart. You know, Kevin Hart went through that period where he was on everything. <laughs> Kevin Hart was hey, like in every movie, dog. The hustle. <laughs> uh, J Jock, yes, Tiff Show will be going on YouTube. I'll probably post it t- tonight. Uh, I was on vacation and I didn't have a chance and I didn't even design a thumbnail. So Tiff Show is going to be on the pod feed and on YouTube. So don't worry about that. Uh, you know, you'll be able to catch her show on replay. Uh, I was a little slow. Listen, I was in Denver. I hit the slopes. I was, I was and I'm still sore. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. So. You know, we have Markeith Morris returning. We have Victor Oladipo returning. Uh, Caleb Martin, Jimmy Butler kind of nicked up lately. Uh, but this is as close to, to full as they've been. So I don't know, Kenny. I just wanted to talk about, you know, so, kind of some of the trends uh, of this team kind of, mm-hmm. you know, from now until the end. So let's start with something that I think uh, Leif pointed out on Twitter yesterday. And it's Gabe Vincent's 
shooting since all-star break. So Gabe, you know, had is playing, having an amazing season, but post all-star mm-hmm. break is shooting about 34% from three, which is not really good. And it's, he provides other things on offense. I think he's a much better passer. He's obviously his pedigree as a defender is, you know, we know what he does on that end, but you know, the shooting has taken a dip, you know, post all-star break. These are like the big name shooters and what they're shooting. Caleb shooting 50%, which is really good. Uh, Tyler hero, 40, almost 47%. Max Struess, 45%. Duncan Robinson, about 39%. Pretty good on, on volume. Uh, and then we have the next highest is Gabe Vincent at 34%. So I, I, after that Duncan drop, you know, you have Gabe, you have Kyle at 30, you have PJ Tucker at 26, you know, Markeith Morris at 25, Victor Oladipo at 22, Jimmy Butler at 18. So there's a huge shooting gap between their mm-hmm. really best guys and their not best guys. And a guy like Duncan is super feast or famine. Uh, yeah. it, it seems lately. So, I just kind of want to focus on Gabe, who's kind of smack in the middle there. How patient mm-hmm. should we be? And I think him not shooting well came at a weird time because if he's not going to provide a threat of a shot and if he's not going to be defended as such, it's kind of difficult to play him over Depot when it mm-hmm. counts. And I just think it's kind of an interesting development because prior to, to Vic coming back, I would have said, man, how good does Vic have to be to take Gabe's spot in the rotation? Yeah, and so as far as the patient goes, patience goes, I think we should be extremely patient. We got to keep in mind that during that time after the break and before Oladipo came back, Gabe was still shooting pretty well. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember him shooting really well. And so that's pretty much what it is. He doesn't know at this point whether he's going to play or not. And while we do say, yeah, you need to stay ready at all times, whatever, you, you know, the UD saying stay ready so you don't got to get ready, but it's a very difficult thing to do. And so I think once he has more of an idea of what he's going to do, because remember last year and I believe the year before he was here also, it was difficult at times for the same reason. He didn't have a role really. He would come in play a ton of minutes and some games he wouldn't play at all. And so, I think, and with Oladipo kind of, if he continues to struggle getting acclimated, Gabe is going to creep in and get some of those minutes back. And so I think patience is going to work out in our favor and Gabe's favor as far as that goes. By the way, shout out to Shades Fiddy. His daughter made the varsity soccer team as a freshman. We love our community. Uh, congratulations here. to her. Congrats. That's a great accomplishment. Um, I, I want to preach patience because I think Guys like Gabe deserve it. And Kenny, I think oftentimes when people talk about kind of like who deserves playing time and who doesn't, I think there's a lot of factors that people don't really realize. Uh, Agents will call front offices and say, why is my guy not playing? Right. Mm -hmm. And they'll complain. And as a front office and as a coaching staff, you need to balance winning and good relationships because if you have a shitty relationship with an agent, I think their history has shown agents will uh, deter players from going to your organization, right? When And it's, you know, when at the end of the day, when money's similar and winning situations are both good, you know, agents can really nudge players a certain way or not. So, you know, yeah, like there's, there's a ton of examples. Uh, and, you know, I, I know with, with heat, with the heat agents have called the front office and been like, well, what, what, what gives, right? So that's yeah. one factor if you're a coach, right? Another factor is you want to reward guys who have been really good for you. And another thing is you want to give minutes to a guy that needs NBA practice to see what you got. 
So I think mm-hmm. games are known quantity for them. Well, I guess not. This is a shooting, but mm-hmm. I think you know more of what you're going to get from Gabe than what you're going to get from Depot. Depot's a total unknown this season. You don't. It's hard to tell, right? And it's been mm-hmm. we haven't had enough time to really see how this has gone yet because he's really it's been a long time since he's played meaningful basketball, right? And and yeah. he's had a lot of injuries and stuff like that, and and he started to kind of round into shape last year. So it's it's come at a weird time and. I think Gabe's going to get his minutes, Kenny, because Caleb and Jimmy keep missing time. One of the two, it's, I mean, I feel like they never fucking play the same game. It's crazy. Yeah. They alternate. And Gabe usually fills in for that guy and then they go a little smaller. So I just, mm-hmm. I know that those lineups aren't good. And I know you guys talked about it in Hangover Time last night. That starting lineup is like minus 30. The Gabe, Duncan, yeah. uh, Kyle, Bam, and PJ. Minus 30 per 100. So it's not good. And I kind of feel like it sometimes puts Gabe in like a shitty position to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I don't I don't really know. It's kind of a weird. I don't know what the right answer is because they also have a ton of guards. What, are you going to squeeze Max out when he's shooting this well, you know? I wonder if they would try starting Max next to um, so Kyle's back. So maybe Kyle – no, you probably can't have Max and Duncan starting. Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. That, and yeah. that's the thing because everyone's like, well, don't start Gabe. And then it's like, well, like – you're going to lose a little bit defensively. So it's, I mean, maybe Depot's the guy to start and you just keep his minutes. But again, like, yeah. are you really going to throw him into starters, you know, the lines then? Yeah, or maybe not necessarily. Um, He doesn't have to play starters minutes. He can still get his 15, but maybe start him out on the floor, see how he looks with them. Yeah. See, and just so see what happens. Yeah. Pete Burner says Duncan is the one that needs to get squeezed. The Duncan. Mm, that's not happening. That A, that's not happening because of what I just told you. You know about the the agents and the and like rewarding guys and you know just I just I don't think that we're at a point that that happens and and really the starting lineup when they're all healthy has not been the problem, right? And if Duncan gets squeezed, it's at the end of games. It's not at the beginning because, like I said, I, and I've talked about this, I've talked about this a ton. That starting lineup is really fucking good. <laughs> Their defense is incredible. I'm gonna pull up the numbers. I'm gonna pull up the numbers right now. But th- their defense is really, really good. So I don't really know what you expect out of it. So in the minutes that they've played, which is um, 300, almost almost 400 minutes, they're plus 13 per 100 possessions. They have a 111 mm-hmm. offensive rating and a 98 defensive rating. They're fucking crushing teams defensively. And that that's not even shooting well from three yet. They're only shooting 32%. Mm-hmm. So... I don't dunk is not the guy getting squeezed from that. And I know that they trust that lineup. Yeah. And not, not cause I'm not, I'm getting better at not going at people or seeming like I'm going at people. Cause I'm typically not, but, um, not to accuse the commenter of anything, but we have to start looking at things through a wider lens. So Duncan played bad last night. Sure. But, you just said, G, since All-Star break, he's 30. I think he's actually 38, 39.8%, if I'm not mistaken, from it's three. 38.6. 38.6. But still, that's great, especially with the other people you mentioned. They need Duncan out there if he's, he's shooting, shooting well. and He's shooting six, almost six yeah. attempts, a little, a little, a tick above six attempts. So it's all volume. Yeah. And so he's been playing well. And we have to let that second season go at some point. We understand it was historic, but it was historic for a reason. He's not going to come out and shoot 45%. He had a really good year last year, too. Let's not forget that either. He yeah. started off slow, but he really he really came back to that. So he's a good yeah. shooter. He's a he's good on movement. And I think 
you know, late in games, I understand why he doesn't play sometimes, you know, because you want mm-hmm. more ball handling. But, you know, the misdirection, yeah. he, he does a lot of things other than shoot the ball, right? And I'm... Yeah, especially lately. We've seen one of these games recently, he didn't score, but he had seven assists. He's really figuring that stuff out. That was and so, game, right? believe so. Yeah. And so now it's just the Duncan stuff. I'm not as annoyed by it as I was earlier in the season, but I feel like we're kind of just saying stuff now. There, I, I like, I think the Duncan thing's interesting because, and just the shooting stuff in general, because they're a team that I think none of us are super comfortable with their offense at times, right? And I, I, we see how it is. Mm-hmm. The Heat are the number one three point shooting team in the league. That's insane. They are 37% three-point <laughs> shooting team. The, they're higher than the Bulls, the Hawks, the Bucks, the Clippers, the Suns, the Warriors, the Jazz, the Hornets, the Sixers, the Nets. Like every Everybody. They're the best shooting team in the league, right? It's insane. And, you know, Duncan's – I mean, Duncan's shooting 30, 37, 39% almost, you know, on, on, on high volume. So, like, you know, guys like him, guys like Struess, you know, and Duncan plays more minutes than Struess. Struess plays about 19 and uh, about 20. And then Duncan mm-hmm. plays, you know, about 22. So, you know, they, they play similar amount. Duncan plays a little more. You know, okay. they, they get different. Max is different as well. Max gives you a little more athleticism and rim pressure. Duncan gives you some more. Sc- Duncan's a much better screener and a much better mover and better passer. So they, they give different things, right? So mm-hmm. there's a place for them. I do think that when push comes to shove, you know, they're going to play Duncan more. And if Caleb's healthy and Jimmy's healthy and Victor's healthy and Keefe is healthy, I think Max is going to get squeezed a little bit. And then the question yeah. becomes... Is Gabe playing well enough to squeeze Vic? And I think in, if they're at their best, the answer to that should be no. I think if, if yeah, yeah. So and and I, I think that's unfortunate, and I just think they're they're kind of guard heavy because I just don't mm-hmm. think that they're just gonna say, all right, Duncan, sit. We're gonna play Gabe instead of you. And I, I just they don't. When all those guys are healthy, they don't need another ball handler who can spot up and defend. Right. Right, they they need the movement and the shooting who kind of kind of connect all these pieces. Yeah, and it's just and also it's just as simple as Gabe is small, and it's just it's unfortunate. It's great of a great of a defender as he is, he's what six two, six one maybe. So if he's matched up every night with six six and six seven guys, and then teams are forcing switches, and if you've noticed, it's him getting stuck in the post against these bigs, and so. Teams are hunting him in that sense. It's not always hunt the slow guy and blow by him. It's they're getting him in the post too. And so that's just what's it's not a knock on Gabe. It's just the way things are going right now. And so if somebody is going to get squeezed out, it's probably going to be him. Or, but no, I think it'll be Max first. Just, and they'll just see how Duncan is playing. You saw yesterday Duncan wasn't playing well. They pulled him and just tried Max out and it worked. So I think Max is probably going to be more TBD. Yes. Like within the game. And Gabe, he'll get a shot, but they kind of have to pull him quicker when he's getting hunted into the post. It's Kenny, it's interesting because like I think this is a very unique Spo team where like they're literally they're mm-hmm. so deep, right? Any of these guys yeah. could be in the rotation, and I think we'd feel good about it. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of who's the best for the situation because they're all good players, and I think they'd be in a playoff yeah. rotation for most. I mean, look, the Bucks would take any of these guys. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the, the 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 Nets would take any of these guys. The Sixers, like all these good teams. Maybe the Celtics because the Celtics are pretty deep too, and and they're they're deep mm-hmm. in the same positions that Miami is. 
you know, like other than them, I mean, any of these teams would, would be very happy to have any of these players, right? Some of them would even start. So it's it's just, it's an interesting Spo team. And I think it might kind of play out like the bubble where he goes to certain players at certain times. Like Olenek didn't play a ton in the Celtic series, but did more in the Lakers series and then did more in the Bucks series. And he just, you know, because the Celtics went a lot smaller. They tried to space. They were quick. They were switchy. And they could attack stuff a lot. They could hunt matchups a lot better. And and I think we may see some of that. I think we may see kind of them go with some more shooting on the floor in certain series. I think in a Buck series, I think you could see Max a little more just because they want to have mm-hmm. more shooting against the drop. And they want to have guys that are a little bit more athletic. And against a team yeah. like the Celtics, they might not want Max because he's not a good positional defender. I think he's good at taking charges and stuff like that, but he does get get beat off the bounce pretty quick, and I think the Celtics have too many mm-hmm. guys. So I think that's going to be the kind of way that Spo plays the rotation. Gabe might get some more run in a Celtic series because they, they're not super yeah. big. They have a lot of wings, and they they want to switch, double, and recover anyway, right? And they want to be in rotation mm-hmm. and scramble because that's where they're good. So I kind of think and, that that's how that's going to play out. Yeah, same with Brooklyn. Gabe may see a lot more time against Brooklyn because you need as many bodies as possible. We just saw Kyrie had 60 last night. Yeah. And Brooklyn does like to go small at times. And so I could see Gabe playing more against Brooklyn also. Yeah, I, I think I think that'd be the move too. And like somebody in chat earlier said, like, who's going to guard Kyrie? They're going to do it by committee, right? Could going to be yeah. some Caleb, some Jimmy, some Kyle, some some Gabe, some Depot. Uh you know they're gonna have a lot of interesting choices to defend these guards and and wings. They're they're deep in terms of defending those guys. I think where they're a little thin mm-hmm. is defending power wings, right? Like LeBron, yeah. like Kawhi, like Siakam, like Tatum. They're a little thin there because I I think Depot's a guy that's not big enough. Obviously, Gabe mm-hmm. is not big enough, so that really leaves you, Jimmy. There goes my camera, Jimmy yeah. and <laughs> Jimmy, Caleb and Bam. But you kind of I I think. People like when Bam's on the ball, like on these wings, mm-hmm. and I think that's good sometimes. But I think you want Bam in the screening actions, right? You you want yeah. to get him switched onto these guys, not start on these guys. So you know when you switch, I think you can match up, manipulate a little bit more than when you drop. So and it's just mm-hmm. the way that he plays. So they don't have a ton of guys to defend these wings, and I think that's where it could get a little dicey for them. Um, yeah. But other than that, like their depth is really good, and I think. All of these guys will have their chance, you know, at some point in the playoffs. I, I, I think they'll all play important minutes at some point. Mm-hmm. And it's not a conversation of who's getting squeezed. It's like who's getting squeezed when, because other yeah. times other guys might get squeezed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, like you might want, you might not want to play Deadman too much against like if we get Toronto, yeah, Toronto's or the Nets, yeah. But if but if we get Milwaukee with Brook Lopez, we're probably going to see a lot of Deadman. Absolutely. Or if we get Philadelphia, we're gonna he defends Joel pretty well, so we're gonna see Deadman in that series. But and those other series are probably yeah, they'll probably go a lot of Caleb at the four, Bam at the five. Obviously, we might see some Keith at the five. Who knows against those smaller teams, but. Yeah, it's like you're saying, it's all going to depend on matchups, game planning, and all that stuff. I think the Keith, Keith kind of coming in, and he's going to round into form. I don't think he looks bad. I think he looks pretty sharp, no. you know, considering, um, you know, kind of getting the mid range going. And I like that kind of mm-hmm. element that he added. You know, that's typically a soft spot in defenses, especially with mm-hmm. the way the Heat, the heat don't. The, the Heat want to get to mid range off the dribble if they yeah. do with Tyler and Jimmy or out of the post, not really out of spot ups. So. Kind of is a little bit of a shift on how teams defend. Miami ran an action. I wish I had the play. Um, uh, Ron Rossing talked about it too, and I, I thought it was funny that he didn't point this out. It was it was at halftime, and where it's Duncan is curling right. Jimmy has the ball. He's going downhill, and Keith kind of screens and pops like he screens low and pops. <laughs> and Duncan's also th- he's in the corner, and Duncan's relocating to that corner. And as I'm watching the play, I have no I have it on mute, so I have no idea who the ball is going to. I'm like. I'm paying attention to Duncan thinking he's going to run off the Keefe screen. And Keefe is the one that gets it and has an open shot because Duncan's kind of mm-hmm. running to that corner. That's a fire drill for the guy coming out of the screen and the guy yeah. chasing Duncan. So you get cool stuff like that when, when you have guys like popping out for mid range that I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, Keith, like I've said a bunch of times already, he adds another wrinkle to the offense that teams really haven't had time to game plan for. Like you said, they're going to, blitz Duncan wherever he is, no matter what. And then you also have to worry about Bam at the basket. And so that's already difficult to decide. And so now let's say, for example, um, Bam, Markeith, and Duncan are on the floor. Now you got three people you have to worry about. And I'm not, I'm not saying Markeith is lethal for mid-range, but him being willing to take it and capable of making it, teams are going to probably just try to opt to let him beat them, and there's going to come a time where he beats them. I, they, they just... They have a lot of diversification to what they do. Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes the offense looks gummy and stinky and it does. And I think that's just mm-hmm. a result of, they just don't get, and this has been the case since last season. They just don't get enough rim pressure and their right. rim pressure, I think is super determined by the amount of threes that they get. And I think the one thing I was yeah. wrong about, uh, and I, I probably underestimated was Kyle's decline 
in getting to the rim. Mm -hmm. Now his his finishing is really really good this year, but the yeah. kind of the rate in which he gets to the rim I thought would be a little bit higher. So that's the one area where they they just don't have enough downhill juice to make everything work all the time. But you know yeah. if, if Jimmy's right and if Bam is good, they get I think they can squeeze just enough. And that is really the problem with their half court offense because when teams switch a ton, mm -hmm. right, and when their shooters can't really hit. You know, what can you do to manufacture points? And it's kind of, can you take guys off the dribble and get to the basket? And the answer a lot of times, I would say 50-50 is yes. Yes or no, right? Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that that's a high enough rate that that can make you feel good about it. Somebody's like, Tyler gets to the rim. Tyler gets to the rim when he has a matchup advantage. Tyler doesn't get to the rim when he gets a wing switched onto him. And that's going to be, listen, that's why late in games, their offense is tough. And you saw in the, in the Minnesota game, it was a lot of floaters. It was a lot of, you know what I mean? Push shots because that's what you can get off bigger guys. Cause he's yeah. small. Right. And you know, he's a very crafty player and he's uh, has a really tight dribble and he can get to the pull up. But you know, at the end of the day, he's, you know, if, if a guy is bigger than him and long, that's going to, that's going to cause problems. So those are just my concerns with their offense late, but I, I just think they're going to yeah. have enough. They're, they're good enough shooting team. And I think that, you know, I, I maybe I'm foolish, but I, I just really trust Jimmy to match up bust yeah. some switches. And, but I also think that's probably – that's why I want to see Oladipo a little more because he has shown a ability to get those paint touches and make the right play. Like I've mentioned – I'm on so many shows. I don't remember which one, but I did mention <laughs> – I did mention like now once Oladipo's back in rhythm because he still looks – he visibly is just not used to playing still. But once he is, he's going to be able to have Bam in that dunker spot at times and just simplify things for him also. Like we've seen, it's going to be – sometimes going to be Oladipo getting into the paint and hitting Markeith on those mid-range jumpers. And so I think that's what they're hoping for with him, and that is a wrinkle that he brings to the offense, but it's just going to take some more reps. They just don't have a ton of guys that can draw help. Yeah. Like off penetration. And I, I think that's the issue. Like sometimes like they'll get like a guy like sneaky cut or whatever, but I think just in general, they just don't really draw that kind of attention. So if, if you're not scaring a dude to help off a shooter, you're not, because they don't play inside out a lot. And I think that's right. the issue. Right. And they, you know, it's been a while because usually that corner, they like a guy on the corner, whether it's relocating mm -hmm. or, or just park there, whether it's Ariza, Jay Crowder or, uh, or PJ, uh, or yeah. when they attempted with Mo Harkless or and Olenek. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of how they play but they the, to, for it to work they either need to either beat their man and get to the rim and force that help or they need that, that rotation to come so they can kick it out to the shooters and get movement if not it's a revolving door of dribble handoffs right it's like yeah. okay, you hand off to pivot and then blah, 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 blah. and then you know we I think the we've talked enough about Duncan um, Jimmy and Bam's struggle with size I think mm -hmm. on offense I, I think that that's pretty noted and I think we've talked about that enough but you know, the way you beat that is, you know, get, you know, kind of swing the, the, the ball. If Jimmy has size on him, you know, he screens for Lowry or he screens for Tyler. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you if they force a switch, you know, you try to beat that. You know, you, you try to pull it out and either get a, a nice pull up or, you know, because they're going to give you some, some cushion or you, you kind of beat those guys to the rim. So that's where they are. I understand. I know that their half-court offense numbers are good. I do think mm -hmm. that we got to stop pretending that the half court offense is like totally fine because it's not. Yeah, it is. It is full goal in a sense. I, I think they just they, they're just so they just they can like burst for like a fucking ton of points because they have so many good shooters. But I just mm -hmm. think in the aggregate and late, it's just concerning, and we see how gummy it gets. 
Yeah, but I wonder what because there are a few possessions in the game, maybe three or four, where they'll force um, a smaller guy to switch on to Jimmy in the post. And Jimmy, like. yeah, Jimmy right now is the team's best post player. I'm not sure why they don't go to that more often because they don't necessarily need to go downhill to get into the paint um, draw help. Getting downhill is not working, so I'm not sure why they don't do that more often. It's and and let's let's I mean let's let's be real. Like when their finals run, it was Jimmy kind of getting smalls, whether it was Kemba, mm-hmm. whether it was George Hill, and whether it was yeah. KCP, and it was like I'm gonna bully these guys and get to my spots, and that was really yeah. their late game offense, and it just hasn't super worked this season. But I mean that is a that is a formula that I think they believe in for better or for worse, and I don't really mm-hmm. see many solutions other than going to that. Yeah, I'm hoping to see him more because there are, like I said, they'll do it a couple times and maybe he'll miss the shot or something and they'll just run away from it at times. Bam is not super good in the post. 63rd percentile on the year. Uh, 0.98 points per possession. Not Mm -hmm. no bueno. That's not what you want to see. It's tough. I mean, Jimmy's been a lot better than he is. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up. Jimmy's numbers. Uh, Jimmy's in the 75th percentile, uh, getting about a point, 1.03 points per possession in the post. Uh, about 13% of his possessions come from them. So he's doing pretty good there. And I, I think that that's still, you know, that number has gone down in this year, mm-hmm. but I, it's something that you like. Yeah. And I do want to give um, Bam some, um, some leeway. He's just, to the audience out there, Bam's just never had to get good in the post. He's just I a freak athlete. That. No, he's had like, like well, well now, well, at, at this point in the NBA, yeah, yeah but NBA, like yeah. just coming up, and he wasn't really asked to. They probably should have um, tried that out a little more earlier in his career. But that's something he has to work on in the offseason. As of right now, I don't really want the Heat trying that too much. Even though lately he's seems to be fine. I don't know the numbers, but he's past couple of games he's gotten into the post and make gotten some stuff done. They're they're really going to that early seal, right? And and they're mm-hmm. just really trying to get that going for him, which I, I I mean I think he has success in that and I think in early offense that's good. I don't like when, you know, they're like they're 14 on the clock and then he gets a post up. I just yeah. unless he's drawing a double, which he never does. You know, I just don't think that's a winning play for the Heat cuz if they if he draws a double, that's a win cuz he's a really good passer. And I think yeah. teams are like, "Ah, fuck it, you can try to you can try to score, I dare you." Uh, and that mm-hmm. that's the the math just does it. You're getting under a point per possession. The math will just not work in your favor. Uh, and, and by the way, most of those band post ups are against small dudes. You know what I mean? The, yeah. He's not posting up Gobert or some shit, right? It's always you know OG or somebody on a switch, and and he's just mm-hmm. not he's not getting the juice that he needs. Let's yeah. talk about one of my favorite trends of the season early, and let's kind of check in on it because I think it's it's kind of fun to do these things. Deadman mm-hmm. hasn't been good since the baby. Mechanic, mechanic hasn't looked good, and I was kind of curious as to Tyler and, and Deadman's numbers. It's still positive on the year. They're plus five. It was like plus twelve earlier, right? Earlier in the season, it was they were fucking crushing, right? Tyler, Tyler, Deadman were crushing dudes. Um, that part's interesting. That has really taken a hit. Uh, Tyler's the numbers are better when he's without Deadman. You know, because before Deadman used to be better than like the encore numbers was better than Bam. So that yeah. that has really taken a step. It's still positive though. I think people should take that into consideration because I see a lot of mechanics slander. Jimmy mm-hmm. and Deadman is also really interesting. They're plus nine. That was like plus 11 before. Still really good. 119 offensive rating. 
absolutely fucking crazy. So that unit is still absolutely crushing people. Uh, and they're shooting. They're not even shooting that well from three. They're shooting 34% from three in those minutes. So that's pure bulldozing, getting free throws and getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. That's still a winning formula for them. And that's been good. That has stayed good even when Mechanic hasn't looked that, you know, himself as of late. Yeah, so how's Deadman's um, defensive numbers? Just from my own eye test, it looks like he has – well, he's been fouling, but the defense hasn't looked too bad to me, but maybe the numbers say otherwise. The finishing is bad. I mean, his defense has never been, like, great. It's been, like, whatever. So, I mean, I think part mm-hmm. of that is, you know, they're just figuring out some lineup stuff. I think most of the bad of Deadman has been the offense. is just not finishing because, yeah. you know, he was an elite finisher before, right? He was finishing, mm-hmm. you know, like, complicated off the glass little, you know – really good touch and all that. And that just hasn't been the case. Um, so I think that'll get cleaned up. That might be fatigue. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that man all, hasn't slept. Also the, um, the back, um, issues back, he's yeah. had recently. Yeah. yeah. Cause he, he just doesn't look comfortable out there. It's just, he's not like, I'm not going to say he had burst before, but it just doesn't look the same when he's going up to try to finish. Yeah. It, no, you're absolutely right. It doesn't, he just doesn't, he doesn't look the same. And it's just the finishing isn't good, and that's all everything that you're saying. What Fix said asks, other than attack Bledsoe exclusively, what did we implement against the Bucks in 2012 that we can go back to this year? It wasn't just Bledsoe, it was George Hill. I mean, a lot of it was George Hill, and it was shredding drop. It was like, okay, Lopez is going to drop. We're going to have a handoff, and we're going to do that. And they sold out on Jay Crowder. off every every. So if, if Jimmy gets a guy on him, and if Jimmy's beating him off the dribble, that, that help from Giannis, because Giannis is a help man, is coming out of Jay, and their kick, swing, swing, open J3. Jay shot 10 billion percent from three that series, mm-hmm. and that was that was pretty much all she wrote. It wasn't really a BAM series. That was a Jimmy and Jay series, and late game, it was give me give Jimmy the ball. Where's George Hill? I'm going to find you. Tyler, come screen for me, and um, lights out. So on offense, that's what they did. And Miami's been really successful against the Bucks on offense this year. With I mean, especially when you know they have their guys. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they're shredding the drop. I mean, they have been really mm-hmm. consistent all year in just beating drop coverage. That part I'm not concerned about. It's you know, can they defend Milwaukee? And the answer has been no. You know, mm-hmm. it's been pretty consistently no. I think they do a, a decent job on Giannis still, uh, but you know, the Buck shooter goes crazy because Miami. You know, bails out on sells out on shooters to, to defend yeah. Giannis, and those guys have hit. I mean, how many? I mean, I think every game that the Bucks, they, the Bucks have shot a million percent, except that one mm-hmm. one that in Miami where the, the Bucks got blown out. Um, yeah. And the first game, the two in Miami, the Bucks didn't shoot well, and the two in Milwaukee, the Bucks shot amazing. So, I'm not worried about the Bucks matchup. I mean, I, I'm concerned a little bit, but I think the Heat have a winning formula on offense for sure. Yeah. And Bucks defense hasn't been super good. I think when Lopez comes back, it'll be more interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I mean, if if Middleton and and is going to beat you by shooting that well, I mean, there's not much you can do. That's how they play defense, and you know that's yeah. that's kind of it. Yeah, I think with the Bucks, um, the thing is they lost PJ. They got rid of Divincenzo. They they're playing a lot of Bobby Portis minutes, and while that's great offensively, defensively, it's not. And also, the Heat are not exhausted. They don't have Kendrick Nunn trying to run the offense. <laughs> There's a lot of – it's like that matchup now, like we can't really look at that playoff series and still use it as an indictment on the Miami Heat. It's a different team. They have P.J. Tucker instead of um, Trevor Ariza. 
on defense. So now you have a strong person who typically guards Giannis pretty well. And then on offense, you have PJ in that corner instead of Andre Iguodala. And so I think last year's team was just weird. It was just like that wasn't a team they said they were built to win, but it wasn't going to work out. What is chat doing? If if Oladipo can give us minutes against Holiday, I don't see why we can't make the series. Buddy, we're the we're I'm we're the captain. They gotta make it a series, not us. What the fuck yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> I, last yeah, time I checked, yeah. the, the Heat were first place, not the Bucks. Where are the Bucks? Are they second? That's not first. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Oladipo should probably be ready by then anyway. I think they have what 15 games left. Ish. Yeah, so that's that's enough time for him to at least figure for them to at least figure out how they're going to use. Them. They're two and a half back of Miami right now. Until that changes, I'm sorry. I I, I just think in the aggregate, the Heat have been a better team this season. I, yeah, I, I think the Heat match up against the Bucks a lot better this year than they did last year. And so I'm obviously they're a great team, so it's a little concerned. But I'm not as concerned as a lot of people may probably think we should be. So. You know, in terms of net rating, the Heat are above Milwaukee by a full point. Heat are top 10 net ratings for the Bucks. Uh, Heat have the second best net rating in the East behind the Celtics, who have just been absolutely red fucking hot. And mm-hmm. the, the only three teams in the East that are in the top 10 in net rating, well, four teams, I guess Cleveland snuck in at, right there at 10. Cleveland, Milwaukee. Cleveland at 10, Milwaukee at 7, Miami at 6, and Boston at 4. Uh, mm-hmm. which, by the way, the Heat have wins against all these teams. Phoenix, yeah. not the Warriors, uh, the Jazz. Not the Celtics. They haven't been the Celtics this year, right? Yeah, no. The no, Celtics yeah. have played them real tough. Memphis, they beat. Milwaukee, they beat. Dallas, they beat. Minnesota, they haven't beat. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota, the Minnesota thing is funny. So, you know, they have wins against most of these good teams, uh, unlike the Bulls, uh, <laughs> which is which is still funny. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, 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 I know that you and Brian talked matchups last last pod, but, yeah, I, mean, I, I wanted to answer uh, Fig's mm-hmm. question. Um, but... You know, it's it's going to be a fun, it's going to be an interesting kind of playoff run. Um, you know, Keith looks good. I think Depot's kind of coming into form. I think we kind of touched on their late game offense and kind of what mm-hmm. I think. I thought yesterday was a good win against, you know. Yeah. We could say a bad team. I mean, it is a bad team. Let's call it, let's, yeah, it's a, let's, let's be real. It's a bad team. They do fight, though. I, you are on a pregame with us. They yeah, do. They do. Yeah. So, but you know, they, they got themselves out of a jam. You know, I don't like Jimmy, uh, playing, being a hero. <laughs> I didn't like that. I just, I want Jimmy to not, you know, I want, I want Jimmy to be healthy. I don't want yeah. Jimmy to, to play, you know, buddy, we're playing for June, not, not a game uh, in March against a 29th ranked team in the league. <laughs> yeah. I do want him to just go ahead and chill because it does seem like Jimmy's been, Hurt a whole lot, but they've been like the same couple of injuries. He keeps trying to play through them and re-injuring himself. Get get the Nikes. Get, get rid of the get rid of the DH. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Dwayne. Chat yeah, we says we love Dwayne, but man, yeah. Chat says we got hit with the Kelly keeper. We sure did. You saw how happy Eric Reed was. Yeah, it was a nice play. I got to give credit. I to love him. the. I'm in on the Kelly keeper. <laughs> I think Bam should do more Kelly keepers. Yes, that would. Oh man, we got to do it, more. It's wide open because teams are still terrified of Duncan. And so fake the handoff and go. And, and that's something that they can do if they do kind of, and I, I tweeted this the other day with those empty empty corner sets. And if they kind of bring, you know, if they have the screening actions behind Bam, you know, for the handoff and the keeper, then that one man to help is either behind him or that other mm-hmm. side is empty. 
right? So if they vacate the they, if they vacate the weak side, you know that help has to come from behind, and that's a foul, right? So they could mm-hmm. do. I, I wonder if they're gonna. I haven't seen them do that. Uh, I wonder why they don't. Um, but you know, obviously, suppose a Hall of Fame coach, and I'm not, so I'm sure that they have their reasons. <laughs> Uh, but it's just something that I'd like to see, and I think is pretty interesting. But I love, you know, I, I love all that that's supposed to in this year, Coach of the Year, in my yeah. book. Um, I saw somebody asked. Somebody asked earlier. Let me pull this comment up. Um, Chase Fiddy asked, "What chances do you think Hero has of winning both Six Man and Most Improved Player?" I think, I, I think Caleb has like a legit case for Most <laughs> Improved Player. I, I've been. I, I don't know why no one has like propagated this. That dude was. Went for a two-way contract because nobody wanted him. Yeah. And that dude's fucking good. Like, he's mm-hmm. good, good. You know what I mean? Like, he's the kind of guy that everybody wants. Athletic wing who can shoot and defend and play small ball four? Yeah. What? what? He's like the prototype of Bro. 2022 NBA. Also, chat, Jaw is not winning most improved. Yeah, no. What, what are we talking I about? Think, this I is don't a, know who's going to win it just based on, like, who? watching the way... It's gonna be Darius Garland. No, they're too young. He is, but just the, I, like so, this thing's like what should make sense, and just what I think the media is gonna do. And so early on, like once you see a bunch of writers saying this player is gonna have a breakout season this year, whatever the case is, they're already pushing for him to win it. And so then he came out and had a great season. I think they're gonna give it to him probably because they gave it to Julius Randle last year. I'm what gonna read fuck? you. All of the most improved players since 2011. Mm-hmm. Ryan Anderson, Paul George, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, CJ McCollum, Giannis, Victor Oladipo, Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle. Guys like Siakam and, and CJ were not like, you know, that, that was a pretty big jump. It wasn't like, that yeah. was a trajectory. That was, whoa. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. guys went from like, oh, sneaky kind of interesting player to holy shit, you're like legit, mm-hmm. like all-star, like kind of there. You know, Paul George, that was probably one of the only ones that was like trajectory. And um and 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 Giannis really took a Giannis took a huge leap, right? It's not mm-hmm. like a, a, a yeah. steady I mean Jaw was really good last year, right? Like no one's surprised that Jaw is a really good player again. Um, you know, and, and Randall obviously last year, you know. Um, yeah. so again, may, maybe I don't think Caleb would win the award. I don't really think yeah. Tyler has a case for that reason as well. I mean Tyler's in his third year. This is what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? Sophomore yeah. slump, and then you you have a bounce back third year. So that that's that's kind of uh that's kind of how that rolls. So, you know, six man is a lock though. And I know like people were mad at like the Kevin Love stuff, but they just had to throw another candidate there because to like try to make things interesting. But Tyler's a lock for six man of the year. Let's read. Let's, while we're here, let's read the last six men since 2011. Lamar Odom, James Harden, J.R. Smith, Jamal Crawford. Uh, Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, Lou Williams, Trez, Jordan Clarkson. Um, interesting. Let Let's go back. Let's go all the way back to 2004. It's so many shooting guards: Ben Gordon, mm-hmm. shooting guard; Mike Miller, shooting guard; Barbosa, shooting guard; Ginobili, shooting guard; Jason Terry, shooting guard; Jamal Crawford, shooting guard; Odom, Ford, James Harden, shooting guard; Jared Smith, shooting guard; Jamal Crawford, shooting guard; Lou Williams, shooting guard; Jamal Crawford, shooting guard; Eric Gordon, shooting guard; Lou Williams, shooting guard; Lou Williams, shooting guard. Dress center, Jordan Clarkson, shooting guard. Hmm. Yeah. What, a, what a trend. Hey, and, Kenny, um, what position does Tyler Hero play? Shooting guard. Hmm. Interesting. Much and, to think about. Yeah, and on top of that, so aside from Lamar Odom, all those guys are just people who come off the bench and chuck and just score as much as possible. And so... Well, him and Trez. Trez, Trez not a chucker. 
Yeah, not not a chucker, but he was there to come off the bench and score. I think he averaged like eighteen a game. Energy guy. Yeah, but it's it's going to Tyler. It it would be a complete outrage, even if I weren't a Heat fan, if it goes to Tyler. But I think I saw this morning he's averaging more points per game off the bench than I want to say Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams have ever averaged. If I'm not mistaken, it was some crazy. I don't know. I, I know Jamal Crawford for sure. There was another guy. I think it was Lou Williams, but I'm not 100. percent You know, it's funny because my comp for Tyler was Lou Williams, and it's always yeah. been. So Lou Williams' career high in scoring is 22.6. Yeah, so it wasn't him because um, Tyler's averaging 21 right now. Yeah. So I mean, but I mean, the the comp is. I mean, a lot of a lot of loose seasons are like 20 and five assists, right? Like his really good seasons have 20 points, five assists, you know, three rebounds, and and that's. Um, was it Manu? I, there's no way Manu did average more than 21 points again. No, here, here's a segment where we actually, I think he was. A, I think, I think it was three. I think Manu, Holy was shit, one of them. Manu yeah. has never averaged 20 points. Yeah, Manu's career high was 19 and a half. That is insane. Under pop structure, though, I kind of get it. That's so wild, dude. I mean, that guy's a Hall of Fame talent. <laughs> yeah, like it's crazy. And even just the way he fell into that role was kind of funny because they liked him, but it was like Pop was very frustrated because he was flashy. He was a turnover machine. And so he just relegated him to, a, to the bench and he kind of got stuck there and ended up being productive. Being an all-time great. <laughs> yeah. That was with the hair. And he became wise when he got the bald spot. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think Tyler's probably a lock. I think, mm-hmm. you know... Whether the merits of the award he deserves, I, I just think that he is really the best bench player in the league this season. I think, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's a start starter caliber guy. You know, he was in incredibly fringe all-star conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? I just, I mean, we don't have to get cute and be basketball hipster about Kevin Love. Right. Yeah, and, no. I, and I'm not the biggest Tyler fan in the world. You know what I mean? But like, come on guys. And I like Kevin Love and I like what the Cavs are doing, but we don't know. I, I get it. I, I get it. But it's like, it, it it's kind of like giving Andre Iguodala finals MVP. Yeah. It's like, we're getting, we're getting too cute here. You know, yeah. 13, seven, 13, two and seven is good. Right. Kevin loves having a great season. 39% from three, 46% from two. It's a little rough, but you know, we'll take more of that. Um, good shooter, good player has has really ramped up the defense and all that stuff. But you just that's just not the impact's not the same, you know. Yeah, Tyler is truly like a core piece in what is a title team, and without him, they're not a title team. Without him, they're they're not. I don't know if they even. Well, they'll probably be good, but they'll be good. His scoring ability and his shot making abilities is so crucial for this team because nobody else really has it. His leap. You have guys who can make shots. You have like Duncan, you have Max more so in the shooter realm, even though they do other things at times, but they don't have anybody else who can really create for themselves without like getting to the basket and get to the line aside from Hero. So he's so crucial to the team. It's just like you have to give it to him. You know what? For me, the, the big thing as well is the free throw attempts have gone up every year. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. You know, he's up to, he's not, not that he shoots a ton, but he's up to three. Three and a half, which I think is is really good steady improvement for him. Shooting, shooting better than Kevin Love from three on more attempts. Shooting better from two than Kevin Love on more attempts. Uh, scoring more, 
you know, assisting more, uh, you know, just winning more, right. Impacting more mm-hmm. playing, you know, bigger minutes, you know, and really Kenny, I think a lot of us looked at this team as a four or five seed, a three to five seed in the regular mm-hmm. season, you know, the reason why this has gone the other way is because of Tyler's leap, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the almost exclusively because of how good he's been this season. So, you know, to, 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 to pretend otherwise is I think funny. And again, this is coming from a yeah. person who was ready to trade hero last season and has had to eat <laughs> a lot of crow. He's, you know, I was wrong. He's really good. And uh, he's going to continue to get better. I hope, but yeah, we don't have to, we don't have to get basketball hipster cute about Kevin love and everything, you know, neither one of them is a stopper on defense. You know, Kevin's improved, yeah. you know, uh, this year, you know, credit to him for, for playing hard on that end. But you know, again, they're, they're not changing your life on defense. You know, at best Kevin love is surviving. Um, and on mm-hmm. a good night, that's what Tyler does. So let's, let's stop getting cute guys. Let's give the award to Tyler. It's not like there's somebody, yeah. it's not, you know, it's, again, let's not do the Iguodala finals MPP thing, <laughs> which was really and, funny uh, in retrospect. So you mentioned it, but I'm curious what Tyler's, um, free throw, rate is since well since january pretty much the calendar year because it seems like it's gone up Uh, he's really made a commitment to get into the line um since the year started we can uh yeah we we can i I could take a look at that yeah i mean i i think that's i think that's important for him especially and i think it just helps their defense as well you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like you know you just you really want to get more free throws because they, they, they thrive on setting their defense and they have older guys too. So that, mm-hmm. that really helps. And, and it's just, you know, when they get to set their defense, they get to go out and transition where I think they're, they're the best. So I'm, I'll pull up those numbers for you, but you know, he, his improvement has been stellar. The stuff at the, he's shooting like 87% at the line too. Yeah. Um, you know, which is just absolutely like bonkers. So let's look at his, his pre all-star break. You know, he was shooting. Let me see if I can get these per game. Um, okay, this is, uh, of course, NBA.com doesn't want to give me individual box scores. That's great. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Uh, but, you know, he's been he's been good. Yeah, he's really using that strength. And, God damn it. <laughs> okay, I have free throw attempts by month. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's been pretty. St- I mean, March has been at five, but that's probably inflated by yesterday. But it's mm-hmm. been pretty. It's been three point three, two point three, three point three, three point six, three point seven. So, not really any any upward tick that I think statistically yeah. matters. So, well, uh, what fix says is well, I guess Lou and Jamal were great too, but still, K Love was the guy in many. Imagine being a franchise player years ago in Minnesota than being in the race for six man of the year. That's not fair. Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. That's not fair. Guy won a title. Be nice. Yeah, and I mean, being a man in Minnesota, I don't. He was probably good. not worth it. He was good. He was have some great. Goddamn he, he was on his way to the Hall of Fame, I think. So he is going to the Hall right. of Fame. Well, maybe. Dog, they're putting uh, people yeah, they're on my timeline in are putting Sean Marion in the Hall of Fame. Like Sean Marion's a Hall of Famer. You think they're not going to put Kevin Love? <laughs> Come on. That one's the one that yeah. bothers me. The the Marion Hall of Famer thing just fucking drives me crazy. Yeah, what I think. That, what did that now, look like the Hall of Fame? I, I know this is not Suns beat, but like if Sean Marion played today, absolutely, just the stuff he was able to do. But he was just too ahead of his time. The no, stuff he did, like, I don't. I don't agree. Thing. No, that shot's getting blocked more today. 
He shoots like a fucking weirdo. Oh, yeah, the shot, yeah. But I mean, as far as the defense stuff, being able to go small, oh, the wow, Justice Winslow, you're so special. <laughs> He's not special. God, I don't like. I don't like him. I don't like him. I I erased his heat days from my memory. Yeah, um, that was a disappointment. Yeah, he was just a precursor to get Jermaine O'Neal, who was better than him here. I mean, what fucking bizarre twist of fate. Sean Marion be Justice Winslow with a shot getting blocked every second. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Mavs fans gotta stop. You guys gotta you guys gotta stop letting Mavs fans run a narrative. Cause all they do is say the refs are cheaters. Dirk is the greatest thing ever. Luca's the most deserving player ever, and Sean Marion's a Hall of Famer, and Mark Cuban's a good person. You gotta <laughs> stop letting these people control the narrative. Oh, I love Sun Sean Marion. I don't really care for any. I don't like Sun Sean Marion. I don't like any I don't like any Sean Marion. <laughs> I'm anti Sean Marion in every sense. <laughs> The only son I liked was Steve Nash and Amari, and Amari's canceled now. So, Wait, what did Amari do? I forgot. I think he did some homophobia. Oh yeah, He's... it's hard to keep track. I just knew that he was canceled. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was homophobia, but I don't remember. So you know, we got. And I, I was so happy when they got Amari. Uh, yeah, he is one of those the black Israelite type dudes, who, like stand on the corner with the robes and like Jesus. yell at people about. He's that's his religion. So, remember when he did that... the wine bath? The wine bath was weird. The breaking his hand on the fire extinguisher. That was funny. He's, li- he's, he's lived a life. That was the fire extinguisher was funny. He's lived a life for sure. He was supposed to be an uncut gym, but he didn't want to cut his hair. Are you serious? Yeah, they, because it was in New York. It was, it was supposed to be the Knicks. It was supposed to be him at that time, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to cut his hair, so they chose KG. That's so funny. I, you know, people that like don't know about basketball, they're like, I love uncut gems. I was like, you know how that ends. They go what? So the Heat win the fucking title. That's how that is. <laughs> I will say though, that movie was fun to see in theaters, but it's really not a good movie. I watched it again. Whoa, when it came that's out. a that's a hot take. Stream beat. <laughs> yeah, it's not because, like you said, like you know how the game ends first of all, and then like. When the element of surprise is gone, I'm not going to give the spoiler, but when the element of surprise is gone, it's not. I hear it's yeah. the most anxiety-inducing thing on earth. It is. It is. Yeah, Ismac Pro says he fell asleep halfway down. I, I have a hot take here. I don't like movies. I don't like film as a medium. I'm not a movie guy. I like I like television shows. I like the long format of building a character. I don't like film because film... I like character stories and I think oftentimes films don't tell good character stories unless they're like, like film series. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. Kenny, like when you watch a movie, right. You, you don't, do you know the guy's name in uncut gems? You say Adam Sandler's character, right? Cause yeah, to you, remember. it's just Adam Sandler. You don't even know the fucking guy's name. How are you supposed to establish a character when you don't even fucking know his name? Because that's how films are. Right. What's the guy in fucking Titanic? Everyone goes Leo, right? They call him Leonardo DiCaprio. Cause mm-hmm. To them, it's like, you know, and that's a fucking famous movie. Yeah. I'm I'm the opposite way, though. I, shows are just so much of a commitment. There's so many shows I haven't seen. Succession, like a girl showed me Succession, but I wasn't trying to focus on the show at the time. I'm not going to get into that story. Um, <laughs> what, are, like, Righteous Gemstones, I heard is good. I'm supposed to get on that. It's just a commitment. To... I think that's why films are popular, because it's, it's kind of like the NFL. Yeah. It's minimal commitment. Unlike yeah, the NBA quick. and baseball. Yeah, you can drop in and out sometimes. You can kind of they'll recap it at some point, whatever you missed. Just give me an hour and like ninety minutes. I, I'm 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 I like some movies. I like when a movie's really really good. It's really really fucking good. Um, but you know, 
I, I just tend to gravitate towards shows more. I've always, I always have. It's just, I, I, I like character stories and some films are incredible works of art or whatever, but that's just, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anti, anti-film, anti-Celtics, <laughs> anti-Kevin Garnett. Last thing you saw, how Ray Allen, uh, I think Ray Allen made up with these people. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> you didn't like it? He just <laughs> want hatred? Yeah, because like, you got UD out here like still threatening to fight KG after all these years. You can't just go make up with KG. Paul Pierce looks dead in the picture in the Instagram. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Like, And Paul Pierce, man, Paul Pierce looks like he ate Paul Pierce. <laughs> KG the only happy one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of forgiveness. I don't like forgiveness. I'm with you, Kenny. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Fuck forgiveness. I remember shit forever. Yeah, they would... Because Rayon didn't really do anything wrong. He just wanted to go to another team. It was a rival, quote-unquote, but, like... That Celtics no. team, they got to cut it out. Let's be honest. They Ray- weren't. They were never going to win again. Let's call it spade a spade. Ray Allen's a fucking sellout. But it's okay, because he sold out for us. Yeah, he, sold, he came to the Heat, Dog, so he, cool. that, Ray but- Allen's just some <laughs> class trader shit. But I don't yeah. give a fuck because he came here. But I'm not, I'm not right. out of here pretending that he didn't be a class trader. <laughs> now, those other dudes need to grow up, right? Yeah. You know, that's in the past. I understand in the moment. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, like, Rondo, you know, Rondo sneaking in. Get Rondo out of here. Rondo's not like. Yeah, he was just the young guy. Rondo's like, not half as good as these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- said Wade went to Cleveland. You know what I mean? Well, that wasn't class trader stuff. He came back. We knew him. Dwayne leaving to Chicago, yeah. that was that was Riley being a class trader. Pay the man. <laughs> you know, gave Tyler Johnson the third year, but didn't want to give away the third year. That shit, I'll never forgive him. You this remember that, Kenny? Yeah. Because Dwayne, Dwayne wanted I, Dwayne wanted a yeah. certain amount of money because they didn't because Dwayne wanted a third year and they said, No, we're not we're not committing a lot of money to a third year. Dwayne's like, fine, I want this much money in two years. And I'm like, sorry, we can't do that. Look at our cap. We're capped out. And then they turn around and they give Tyler that fucking giant contract on the third. I never. And everyone's like, they had nothing to do with it. Man, shut the fuck up. I'm sick and tired. And like, man, like I wanted to hate D-Wade for leaving, but I couldn't bring myself to it. Nobody Because it's D-Wade. Kenny, how many people <laughs> leave for a conference rival in which you recently had playoff battles with, come into your building, and everyone fucking love him and cheer him? He went to the Bulls and the Cavs, and when that dude came back, Every and he left for money, and and he and everybody just wanted him back the whole time. And we were like watching Bulls games and and man, only him. Yeah, I wonder he if Brady. Got, like, I wonder if Brady goes back to the Patriots. How they treat him? Probably the same, right? Yeah, probably the same. Probably the same. Do you think? But they hate him now. Do they hate him now? I don't know. Chat. Do you know? I, I, don't, I don't watch football. I don't. I don't watch a ton of football. But like, do do the do past fans hate Brady? I the, think they. They better not. That's all he did there and how irrelevant that team was before he got there. J-Jock, they better not hate him. j says, I boycotted the Heat the next season. I was so mad at Pat. My mom only just recently started watching Heat games. She was so <laughs> mad at Pat and the organization. She thought that was fucked up. She thought that was, like, so fucked up. Uh, what Fix says, says like, Pat's fans don't really hate Brady. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah they, like I'm saying, they better not after all he did for them. Uh, <laughs> I can never say smells for his name. <laughs> From the FTX commercial, yes, they would accept him back, at least that bartender. I like that commercial. <laughs> Brady's kind of a Brady's kind of weird in that commercial. He's awful. Yeah, he's he's a weird guy in general, I think. Pat's fans still claim Brady. Yeah, I mean I imagine. I I, I, imagine. I, I wonder if it's I wonder if it's kind of same kind of love. Because like D Wade walks on water here. Like yeah. Kenny. 
I've said this, I've said this a bunch. Never in my life, and I think we're coming up on the anniversary of that of that game. Uh, his last game in Miami, the Heat told everyone game starts at seven thirty, right? Or they changed mm-hmm. the time and they announced a time change to make sure that people were there on time. It was <laughs> raining that day and there was a train broken on Northwest A Street. This is a fucking mm-hmm. train parked. And I had to go around this fucking train, you know, that, that area, that street. When I walked into that building, everyone was fucking in their seats. <laughs> they told us because they thought we were going to be late. That man made Miami <laughs> on time with a broken train and rain. And is that I not love? So, and to add context, because I know we have viewers in different cities and different countries who've never been to Heat games. For you to one find parking over there. It's like, because that Bayside, literally that Bayside parking um, garage is the worst parking garage in the world. Can't even get in. You can't get in, and the parking spots are half the size of what a parking spot's supposed to be. So nobody's parked correctly. So even if you, you think you have a spot, you have to go up three more floors to maybe have a spot. And every every Cuban here has an F-150, so you know what I mean? Yeah. So that takes up a spot and a half. It, it sucks. Parking at the arena sucks, and then you get there, and security's wasting their time. I miss... Like that James Johnson dunk on Oladipo, which we don't have to speak about anymore because Oladipo's with the Heat now. But I miss that waiting on security to stop bullshitting. Do you know I when I, I went to the game against uh, I went to Depot Day, and I got I picked the wrong line behind like four women with purses. That shit oh, took for fucking ever. I'm like, bro, if they you know if they're gonna if they're gonna shank me, fine, let them. I just want to get in the <laughs> building. Like if they have a knife, I'll take responsibility. They can stab me. Let's go. Like I, I I got depot day to to cover. I want to you know, there was a guy yeah, in the crowd said, "Hurry up! I need to see the caboose." <laughs> <laughs> it was either Lowry or the Golden Oldies. It has to be Lowry. Lowry got that wagon on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.